0: Well, today is the last Sunday of our Exodus worship series, Drawn Out to be Drawn In. And I've been so encouraged by the positive response that we've had all summer to this worship series, um, not only to the themes of Exodus, and we've we've covered the Ten Commandments, and we've covered idolatry, and we've covered the tabernacle, and we've covered uh, the wilderness and retreat and, and all those themes, but also I've been encouraged by the positive response, the way we've connected and, and, and uh, woven those in to uh, what's happening in our world, the systemic uh, racism and inequality that, uh, that we're experiencing in our, in, our, in our country. So today, just early work, we heard two, two scripture passages about the legendary spiritual leader, Moses. And we heard one passage that was about his birth And then another passage that was about his death. And everything in between uh, is the legend of Moses. Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but he actually grew up in the house of Pharaoh. And Moses spoke directly to God. The first time Moses spoke directly to God, it was at the burning bush. But then later, God will speak directly to God a lot when he's up on the mountain with Mount Sinai. And Moses went face to face. He challenged the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Moses actually won the freedom of God's people and they were released from their slavery in Egypt and he led them to freedom in the wilderness. Now, there are too many signs and wonders that Moses did uh, for us to recount at this time, but... Moses was truly a legend. So in today's second reading from Deuteronomy 34, we find out that Moses dies. And Moses, his time of leadership comes to an end. And so God calls Joshua to be the next leader that follows Moses. Deuteronomy 34 verse nine says, Joshua son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. So what do you think being the next leader after Moses would feel like? (laughs) Well, I imagine that that would be a little bit intimidating. I think I would feel a little bit inadequate to to live up uh, to that, you know, to the reputation of Moses. I mean, How do you follow in the footsteps of such a spiritual giant? So I'm wondering if you have ever felt that you lived in the shadow of a a legend. And I think this experience happens probably a little bit more frequently in our life than we realize. Um, We might have a legend in our family, that person who is the matriarch or they're the patriarch of the family and, and their shadow looms large over the family. Or maybe uh, where you work, there is a legend and you live in that shadow. Or maybe where you went to school, there was a legend and you lived in their shadow. Or maybe where you went to church, there was someone who was a legend and you kind of felt like you lived in their shadow. I think we all find ourselves living in the shadow of a legend, someone that we look up to and admire. Now when I was the campus pastor of the Lutheran Center, I was very aware that I was living in the shadow of some pretty amazing campus pastors like Alvin Peterson and Roger Sass and Larry Meyer. And I was so thankful for their strong campus ministry that had built up the Lutheran Center to be so strong over the decades. But but it was also very daunting to follow and to live up to what they had done in the past and for me to feel like I need to carry that on. So I want to know who are the legends in your life? Who are these people? Will you please share this in the comment section? Is it someone in your family? Is it someone that is associated with your work? Is it someone that you've gone to church with? Is it someone that you've gone to school with? Uh, please share who this legend is in your life in the comments section. So speaking of legends, if you are a sports fan, or if you're a history buff, or if you just generally love Nebraska, or if you're very passionate about civil rights, I have the perfect book for you. Uh, It's called Twenty-Fourth in Glory. Uh, the Intersection of Civil Rights and Omaha's Greatest Generation of Athletes. The author is Dirk Chatelaine. He's a sports writer for the Omaha World Herald. And um, it's about the vibrant, segregated neighborhood of North Omaha in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And this community gave rise to a tremendous number of legendary athletes. People like Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Gibson or uh, NBA champion Olympic gold medalist Bob Boozer. Now North Omaha in these decades was also a very progressive uh, place where the fight for civil rights was happening. They were fighting to end legalized segregation in employment, in housing, in education, policing, and in public policy. So the story of 24th and Glory is a story of both triumph and of tragedy. The triumph of North Omaha is that it was fertile soil. Uh, It was this community that was so vibrant that they were able to raise up many, many successful young people. But the tragedy of North Omaha is that in their fight... civil rights, the rest of Omaha, and it was white Omaha, they fought back harder and they ultimately broke the community of North Omaha and their vibrancy has not returned to this day. 24th and Glory is also a story about the inspirational power of legends. Bob Gibson and Bob Boozer, they were the first legends in this community of North Omaha. Now they themselves were inspired by national legends, uh, such as the baseball player Jackie Robinson or the boxer Joe, uh, Joe Lewis. So when Bob Gibson and Bob Boozer became successful professional athletes, now the young people of North Omaha, when they read the sports page, they were reading about people that came from their very own neighborhood. They were reading about these Bobs who played on the same uh, playgrounds that they played on, went to the same schools that they went to, they walked the same streets that they're walking. When Bob Boozer was winning a gold medal in in the 1960 Olympics, well, the young people were reading about this in the paper. People like Marlon Briscoe and Roger uh, Roger, uh, Sayers and Gail Sayers, they were in high school at the time. And the example of Bob Boozer inspired them to continue to strive to become great as well. Marlon Briscoe became the first African-American uh, quarterback to start a professional football game. Roger Sayers, he aspired to be an, o- an Olympic athlete, but the only thing that prevented him was injury. And Gale Sayers went on to become a great running back for the Chicago Bears. When Bob Gibson, set the World Series record for striking out 17 batters in one game. This is a record that still stands in in the major leagues today. Well, Johnny Rogers was in high school at that time. And Johnny Rogers went to Tech High, the same high school that Bob Gibson went to. And this made Johnny Rogers believe that he could do something great because he went to the same high school as Bob Gibson. Well, Johnny Rogers went on to become a Heisman Trophy, winning running back at at Nebraska. Legends help us and they inspire us to believe that we can be more than we ever thought we could be. So going back to the scripture passages that we had today, this was the role that Moses played in Joshua's life. Joshua looked up to Moses, and and Joshua wanted to learn everything he could from Moses while he was leading them through the wilderness. And Joshua believed that God was with him because he saw the faith of Moses. But just because we are blessed to have a legend in our life, it doesn't make our life any easier. You see, in the case of Joshua, following the legend like Moses meant that Moses was no longer there. So this means that Joshua had no one else to defer to. Joshua had no one else above him to depend on. It was now all up to to Joshua. And so now God is calling Joshua to step out of his comfort zone and lead God's people. And I believe that this is another way that God draws us out and draws us in. See, right now in the pandemic, <laughs> I think we're all being drawn out of our comfort zones. Worshiping online, that's outside of our comfort zone. I'm preaching to a nearly empty room to cameras, and that's outside of my comfort zone. Doing council meetings and doing children's ministry and doing youth group and doing Bible studies and doing grief support groups on Zoom is outside of our comfort zone. But God did not give us a spirit of weakness to just fall apart because something's hard. God gave us a spirit of faith, of hope, of resilience. And I am so proud of the community of Sheridan during this time of the pandemic because we have been resilient we have been adaptable we have stayed true to our mission a mission that is more important now than it's ever been we are a community of Christ's faithful followers who have been called by god to love deeply grow spiritually and share abundantly so we have all been drawn out of our comfort zones kind of reminds me of peter when Jesus was walking on the water in the storm and Jesus said, come out to me. And and Peter did. Peter was stepping out of his comfort zone. I think that's what faith feels like. Faith doesn't always feel comfortable. Sometimes faith calls us outside of our comfort zone. So God is drawing us out to draw us in to an experience of faithfulness That is, so that we can experience that faith is stronger than the pandemic. I've also been so proud of our community because the way that we have, again, stepped out of our comfort zone and we've been examining the systemic racism that is the everyday experience of our African-American neighbors, but I think for a lot of us who are white, it's kind of a new reality that we're beginning to discover. God has been using this time to draw us out of our very limited perspective on the world and drawing us into a bigger experience uh, experiences of other and more and more people the experiences of pain and injustice that our black neighbors experience on a daily basis. God is drawing us out of ourselves. And this is a good thing when God draws us out of ourselves We learn to love, we learn to be empathetic, we learn to be compassionate, we learn to understand. So these are not easy days for us to walk together, but these are the days that God is using to strengthen us, to strengthen our families, to build up our faith and to remind us that we are the church, you and me. The building isn't the church, we are the church. We are the hands and the feet and the voice and the heart of Jesus Christ. And so together as the body of Christ, our mission continues and it's more important than ever. We are to love and we are to grow and we are to share. So may God draw us out of our comfort zones and may God draw us in to the mission that matters so much now. Amen.